You're listening to Why Try, the podcast. Ian Kamat invented and designed his product, the Soul Mentor, which treats plantar fasciitis. I just wanted to give you a little bit of an overview before we get into our conversation. The idea behind the product is that there's a sturdy base with a roller that goes along the bottom of your foot. The roller is detachable, so you can chill it in the freezer, and that treats inflammation better, and the inflammation is really what is causing the foot pain. So if you're curious what that looks like, check out soulmender.com, the link in the show notes. And just in general, Ian has a great mind and philosophy for product design, and it's really fun to hear his perspective. So I hope you'll enjoy. Do you want to talk a little bit about your yourself and kind of how, how you came to this point with your product and appearing on Shark Tank? Yeah, so um, the Soul Mentor really came about because when I was a lot younger, my mom had this condition called plantar fasciitis. And at the time, I was 12 years old, and of course, being a 12-year-old, you never want to see your parents in pain. And plantar fasciitis, just to give a little bit of background, is an excruciatingly painful foot condition where you get micro tears in the plantar fascia, which is the uh, tendons that run along the bottom of the foot. And of course, I had to figure out a way to create something to help her out, and that really consisted of doing a lot of research. And I found that doctors were recommending freeze water bottles and rolling your foot on it as the most effective solution. It's not invasive, it's simple, but um, it has a lot of flaws. If you go to put a water bottle in a freezer, it has the tendency to explode every once in a while, and when you go to roll your foot on it, it rolls away and makes a huge mess. And you have foot pain at this point, you do not want to go running after a frozen water bottle. So I came up with this little device that combined the two aspects of cold and massage therapy which is what you were originally getting out of a frozen water bottle, but it's much simpler, much easier to use, and just an overall better solution. So what you do is you take our proprietary roller out, place it in the freezer, preferably overnight, um, and then you just pop it back in the base and roll your foot on it 10 to 15 minutes, twice a day is what we recommend. And it has a proprietary gel pack inside, so it's going to stay cold for a lot longer than just the traditional water bottle method. And it's in a much more effective, efficient, and simple solution. Yeah, so how did you go about creating this product once you had the idea for it. Yeah, so the Soul Mender actually um, was a thing that I had put in my invention notebook. Um, I have a little notebook that I keep with all of my invention ideas in it. Um, so I'll put like some little sketches in there, um, description, information about it, um, potential sizes, all that type of stuff. And this was one of those things that was in there. And one day we were looking through the book, my dad and I, and looking for just kind of a fun project to work on. And we had met this um, person who's a distributor um, and who does import, does a lot of business in uh, overseas in China with some of the uh, factories. And we found this idea, which was the simplest of all of the ideas, um, one of the most uh, effective ideas that we could bring out to people. And it was just a fantastic um, product overall that we figured we could help a lot of people with. And so we decided to bring that to market. Um, so we went through the whole prototyping, patenting, all of that stuff. And um, we, uh, we're at the point where we've done the uh, milling. We have our mold and we've done injection molding. And so now we are, uh, for the past year, we've been selling. Um, From beginning of designing it to having a product that you could sell, how long did that take? Um, huh, let's see. I think it took about um, six months is what I would say. I'm very, very fortunate that the process went incredibly fast for me. It normally takes a very long time. Um, for some reason, uh, the stars were in alignment for my uh, easy process, so everything went really smoothly. And um, uh, basically, we got everything to, we didn't have very many setbacks, um, which is normally something that does occur. And um, 
it worked out really well. Yeah, that's great. I, I love the um, looking for a simple uh, business, like the simplest uh, option, because I think that seems like <laughs> such a powerful way, at, at least to get started, where uh, it's kind of fewer points for things to go wrong. Yeah, for sure. Completely agree. So when you were uh, started selling it, how did you go about deciding who to sell it to? Like you chose uh, more ahead, of a direct-to-consumer route, right? Actually, initially we did. So we had a dual path that we chose. Um, we did both direct-to-consumer and we also did a lot of wholesale originally. And a lot of the wholesale especially was done with local stores in St. Louis um, because I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. And here we have a lot of uh, small kind of the mom-and-pop stores that are really uh, – they're really supportive of kind of the young entrepreneurship. Um, they're looking for products like these that can help their customers that people do need and people do want. And so for that reason, we started out with a model where we were going, I was just cold calling a lot of stores and saying, hey, my name's Ian. I'm a young entrepreneur. I wanted to work with you guys. Um, if you'd be interested, I could bring in a sample for you guys to try out. And that was a really effective model starting out. But we found as we were scaling up that um, a lot of the financial um, positives and benefits were coming more with the uh, direct-to-consumer route, especially through the website. Um, and it really just depends on what stage you're in in the business. For us, that meant at that point, it was a lot better to focus and concentrate our efforts on online sales. And so that's where we have been working lately. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, so I think probably the big question that a lot of people want to hear more about is the, the Shark Tank experience. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just backing like way up, when you started looking at that, what were you hoping to get out of it? So initially, I was hoping to, uh, one, there's, the, there's this thing known as the Shark Tank effect. It's this system in which when you go, you go on Shark Tank, you do your pitch and everything, uh, get a deal or don't get a deal. You get a huge spike in publicity and orders and all of that. And that was obviously something that was in the back of my mind. Um, I was hoping to at least air on Shark Tank to get that. Um, as a as kind of a bonus, but um, initially I was looking for a um, shark that would be able to help me, especially with um, kind of the online sales because that's where I was focusing at the time. But also wholesale distribution, and um, we were talking a lot about QVC because this would be a great QVC product. So Lori was originally one of my uh, target people, and that kind of shifted as we went through the uh, process, but. Um, Unfortunately, I did not get a deal on Shark Tank, but at the same time, I have found that that's not the end-all, be-all, um, but I was discouraged then, but, you know, yeah. I went through the process. I understood that there are benefits at the same time to having that um, not play out uh, in that same manner, and I love how everything worked out. I was very fortunate to meet all these people, work with them, and just kind of bounce some ideas off of some really influential uh business people. So it was a fantastic experience overall. And I was really, really happy to do it. And we were very excited when it aired. Was there anything that surprised you about the experience? Surprises. Um, I think that there was a lot of, I think it's just the main surprise is the, the timeframes. So it is a, a fairly long time frame um, from when you are like, actually like applying to filming to airing. Um, which is, I think that was the biggest surprise for me because I watch it at home all the time. Um, and I just didn't realize that honestly. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. Do you feel like that would be uh challenging for someone trying to build a business that it might change in the meantime? 
I think it definitely might be a challenge, but honestly, from the grand scope of things, I think that that it's not it's it's longer than I expected. It's not as long as it really theoretically is. So I don't think that it was that um I don't think I think that the time might be a little bit negligible. It's just about proper planning. That would be my biggest thing is I don't think the time is going to be what catches up with people. I think it's going to be planning for what's to come after it after it airs. Sure. So was was the process I, I mean you're talking like some pretty like famous people, definitely like some fairly wealthy people. Like was that intimidating <laughs> at all to you? You know, initially I was a little bit scared honestly. Um the minute I walked through those doors and saw them all, it was a little bit scary. But after um a few after my pitch and after all that, I kind of warmed up to it and it was just a lot of fun. It was just a really simple process, really simple to talk to them. It wasn't as stressful as I thought it was going to be in the moment. Um and it was it was just a lot more fun than I expected initially. Is there anything you'd do differently in terms of the show? Like in terms of your pitch or anything like that? You know, there's this once uh portion of it where uh we had a little bit of a discussion about colleges and um the biggest thing for them was um they wanted me to go to college obviously and we had my dad and I had discussed this for hours and hours and hours about well how do we figure that cuz we knew the question was going to come up we just didn't know how to respond to it obviously and so we ended up making the decision that if we can get the business where it needs to be um I'm open to the possibility of committing to it but um they were not very happy about that and um uh, especially mark was a big proponent of making sure that i went to college so um maybe changing a little especially the way i phrased the thing i think but otherwise i think everything played out how i was hoping it would play out and it worked out really well what was his argument in favor of college for your situation yeah so his big thing was uh college really gives you the tools to actually succeed in business um so things like marketing uh product design um communication all those type of uh business skills that you will need are things you'll find in college and so he really was a huge proponent of that so um i'm applying now to college and so we'll see what happens in the near future i guess it's definitely a big uh moment in your life like with a lot of little decisions to make or a lot of big <laughs> decisions to make yeah so has experience change the way you look at publicity or marketing or anything like that or the way that you approach your business um you know that we are fairly early on for me to be like to conclude on a definite a uh, new viewpoint but um i definitely see the value now in major publicity cuz before shark tank i did not have much of a background in how like especially tv and how much of an influence it can have on sales and products and stuff like that and so I think that after talking and working and the, going through the Shark Tank system, I think that it was a it really opened my eyes to how essential these type of things are to kickstart your business. Yeah, I don't know. It's something that I'm kind of learning about personally just the power of good marketing and getting it in front of like enough people and creating something valuable to them where you have enough enough of like a value add for them. I guess like content marketing is probably uh the buzzword around that. Yeah. I don't know. It it seems like something that's becoming more and more of a thing, I guess. That's my own thoughts on it. What do you see in the future for your venture? So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on right now. Um right now I would like to focus on 
um, getting the soul mender where it needs to be before I head off to college um, and just kind of focusing on that, taking things one step at a time. But there are talks of launching a couple other things that are in the works. Um, one of them is I'm a big Francophile. I'm into everything French. And so one idea is a, um, a French macaron, high-end French macaron kit that basically brings together everything uh, that you would need to make it because they're extremely difficult to put together. Wait, what's, um, what's macaron? A French macaron. It's like a uh, cookie, um, and it's almost like a very fancy French Oreo. It has two uh, top and bottom, and it has like a little filling inside. And so it's like a really it's crispy on the outside, soft on the inside, and it's, it's fantastic. But um, there are thoughts to start something, but nothing's definitive yet. I'm going to take it one step at a time with the Soul Mender. Yeah, that's something I've been hearing a little bit about with, uh, I guess, like like monthly mailers or whatever, where people sign up for a subscription and they get like a, a basket of something. I, I mean, you could like set up the Macron thing for that or you could that, yeah that would be another idea yeah. yeah or start your own old bakery i don't know i mean there's there's so many opportunities <laughs> out there like and i guess you just need to kind of pick the the best one have you thought about selling it to like physical therapist office or anything like that yeah so we are currently in talks with a bunch of kind of podiatry companies and um physical therapy chiropractors some of the medical offices because the soul mentor is based on principles that are always recommended by doctors so that's kind of what we're trying to get into. And we are working on trying to get it in there, but there's still, that's still obviously another process and it takes its own time. So we're getting there though. <laughs> Would you mind sharing kind of what the price point is for the product for any listeners who have like plantar fasciitis? Yeah, so the Soul Mender retails at $39.99. We sell from our website. So if you are interested in purchasing the Soul Mender, you can always go to www.soulmender, S O L E. M-E-N-D-E-R.com, and you can pick one up there. And if you look at a lot of the other solutions on the market, it's quite a headache because they get very, very expensive. You can buy, uh, cheapest you can buy like compression socks and all that type of stuff, but they're not going to be as, um, and it really depends on the person. Or you can buy like a huge night splint that's going to cost you upwards of like 80, 90 bucks sometimes. So it really depends on what you're looking for. And this is a great solution. It's durable, easy to use. And even when you get rid of your plantar fasciitis, it's still a great foot massage. A lot of benefit there. And so what has let you, um, what's let you uh, sell it so cheaply? The big thing is we're trying to make sure that we're accessible to as many people as possible. Um, there's obviously the business side of things, but at the same time, this is a product that's meant to help somebody alleviate their pain. And so I'm trying to make sure that it's at a, pro uh, at a price point that, is obviously going to be, is, it will still work for me personally, but it will also be accessible to those who um, are less fortunate and, and need it. And at that, at that same token, that means that I can also do some more charitable work with it. Quality we try and keep as high as possible, but I think that the biggest thing is keeping, it's more of a margin situation there, um, where we're trying to, we'll, we'll take a little bit of a hit there to make sure that it's more accessible to everybody. Like very like sustainable, that model, I think. So did you have any early experiences that helped prepare you for kind of where you're at now? So I've done a lot of um, pitching competitions in St. Louis. I've done a lot of entrepreneurship stuff. I've done like startup weekends, um, things like that. Those are a lot of things that did prepare me 
for where I've gotten to at this point, I'll say the whole practicing the pitch over and over and over has definitely prepared me to pitch on Shark Tank. But um, those are just kind of a, a few of overall stuff. There's been a lot of stuff, just from like small projects that I've worked on personally to major things like launching the Soul Mender. How did you get into that stuff? So I was, I've always been really in, I've always really been in invention and entrepreneurship. Um, but I was, I grew up knowing that I wanted to be an inventor and that really started out from a young age. I used to play with toy trains. Toy trains were like my big hobby when I was little and you went from the little wooden ones. And at an early age, I loved those little electric trains that I could watch all the mechanical portions move together. Um, I used to take them apart and my parents would get so mad because they were so expensive at the, and I would take these like hundred dollar trains, which I would only get one of, and they would, I would take them apart and fiddle with it. And they would, they would not be happy with me. But at the same time, that helped me to learn all these different like uh, principles of like engineering, electronics, uh, just how all these things come together to form a product. And honestly, I always knew I wanted to do inventions, um, entrepreneurship, that type of stuff. But I really got into the entrepreneurial side of things later on after I realized that I could turn my passion of invention and creation into a actual real life business what are some things that help you when you're deciding whether uh like deciding how to design your product so the big thing with the soul Mender is we put together the design based on how it's going to be easy to use we if you look at the soul Mender, it has a curved base um all the edges have been softened everything has been kind of meticulously prepared um so that it is the easiest process to use simple, not painful, all that type of stuff. So um, you can see the curve basis so that when you actually roll your foot on it, you're going to get that, um, so it, it applies to the curvature of your foot. Um, we also have the stainless steel roller, which has been kind of really well prepared, put together, the seams and everything has been uh, completely put together so that it's unnoticeable, really easy to use, um, and really durable. How about just like in general, is there like a framework that you use for thinking about inventions and like how to turn an idea into reality? So I have a little checklist of things that I go through. And um, one of the big things is how much are the materials going to cost to make it? How much is the production cost? All that type of stuff. Um, Next thing ends up being, is it going to be something that people want? I have to look into the market, do some research there. The step after that is patents. Well, patents should come a lot before, honestly. But see what have people already done, what's similar. Um, is it something that people have done before? Is it something that um, is similar to something that has somebody's done already? And then just do your research there. That's where uh, I come from. And then after that, uh, I get into the kind of design. How are we going to make it be aesthetically pleasing at the same time? Make sure that the aesthetics are a huge component of it, but also at the same time, make sure that that's not hindering our production costs. Um, so that's kind of a big component of it, but then it moves into um, the kind of sizing. We have to make sure we can actually fit it on a store shelf because shelf space is obviously very expensive. So we have to make sure that something like this, especially with the Soul Mender, is started out gigantic. It was probably the size of my laptop, a 13-inch uh, computer, but it shrunk down like crazy until you got to this perfectly sized um, product that is easy to use, simple, and just portable. And um, it's kind of one of those things that has to get factored in. So it really depends on the product you're working on, but that's something that I always have to consider. Um, from there, it goes to 
how easy is it going to be to market it? Are we tapping it into an initial, uh, an already created market, or are we trying to create a new market? Um, obviously, it's a lot easier to go through an already created market than in creating your own new market, but that's kind of that last step, at which point we go to creating a prototypes, then we go to uh, injection molding, the factory, we put together all of that at that point, and then it's straight to selling. Well, how do you figure out all of the production side of things? Are there like so, people you work with that are like experts in this, or how do you go about that? Yeah, so we work with um, we work with a distributor who's been really helpful, and he brings in a lot of stuff from China already. So what we end up doing is just working with him and helping fill some containers. So that way, uh, costs come down if we can get a full container, and it's just a lot easier in that sense. He's put us in touch with a lot of the uh, manufacturers, which has been really helpful. Can you talk a little bit about any, uh, like, the early obstacles you encountered? Yeah, so, um, let's see. I think that a lot of the, uh, I've been very fortunate, I'll say, in my business ventures that um, very minimal major things, major hurdles have come up. But I think small things such as we are having trouble with this platform, so, like, Amazon we were initially having a lot of trouble with. We are having trouble with here and there. Just small things like that have been things that I've had to use to create like a learning experience from. So creating the website, we initially had one website use uh, domain system or uh, website host. Uh, that worked out awful for us. We weren't getting orders. It wasn't processing them. Lots of issues. And then we moved over to a new system, which has been fantastic. So it's a lot of kind of um, figuring out these minute details over uh, throughout the whole process um, that have been small hurdles throughout the way, but at the same time, overall, that's created an incredible learning experience for me. So kind of going in more of a philosophical direction, what does success look like to you, Ian? So for me, success is really, uh, success is really um, less of the financial side. Obviously, the financial side is a huge factor, especially for a lot of people. But for me, I see the financial as a byproduct of um, people really truly understanding and enjoying your product. And so for me, um, the financial side of things comes after uh, we've had, we've helped out a lot of people who've been in pain for so many years. And I get these calls from all these people who've told me that they've used every single possible thing to try and uh, help their feet and to make them feel better. So they've used like coffee cans and peanut butter jars and water bottles and literally everything under the moon. And so that was something, that's something that's really gratifying to me to hear that the soul mender has actually helped them alleviate their pain. And that's really what success is defined as for me is, are you able to make a difference and help somebody who would have otherwise not been able to find a solution? And the financial side is just a byproduct of doing that. It sounds like you have really married these two ideas, like you have a great sense of purpose and a great eye for product design. So how has this journey uh, influenced your personal life? I mean, you're... 17 now, is that right? Yeah, so it's been crazy. I'll say um, these past few weeks I have not been sleeping very, uh, uh, really on time at, uh, at all. We'll have a, uh, typically my dad and I will be sitting at home running through orders, shipping out as many as we can, um, and then we'll do a midnight run to the post office and drop off as many as we can that night. And then I try and get home get homework done before that so I can go to sleep, but sometimes I have a little bit left. So you never know. It's been really busy, and uh, I haven't really had much time to work on everything that I need to. I would like to work on. 
Um, so this weekend is going to be a good opportunity to get college work done, that's for sure. But um, it's definitely uh, – entrepreneurship is definitely something that's a bit taxing. But you really have to love it um, to stick with it. And that's what – that's I've been fortunate that I do really like it, and I've been sticking with it. Do you have advice for other current or prospective entrepreneurs? Well, I think the big thing is – so there's two things. Um, I have more of a technical one and more of the general one. So let's start with the general thing. The general piece of advice I would give to any entrepreneur who is interested in getting into entrepreneurship is um, that you need to 100% love what you're doing. That's And I, you've probably heard it many times. It's become kind of cliche. But the big thing is if you don't genuinely love what you're doing, you're not going to do it wholeheartedly and you're not going to do a good job at that whatever that may be. So it, with the soul mender, um, I might not be like a doctor and into medicine, but I genuinely am. Uh, I, I love helping people out, uh, and I love working on these product design and creation and entrepreneurship and all that type of stuff. And so that's been my driving factor, and that everyone will find their own driving factor, but that's the most important part, I think. And then the second more technical piece of advice is you have to know what you want to sell. Um, you can't get into entrepreneurship because of the – what is it called? Just kind of the name of entrepreneurship. It's not, it's not glamorous. It's not as glamorous as it seems. So you need to know what product you're going to sell, uh, sell. You can't just be, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. Okay, let's figure out what product I should make. Come up with a product and then ex use that to help uh, tie that into entrepreneurship. Yeah. And then uh, the last question, is there, do you have a favorite book you'd recommend for people? Yes, actually. So I have this one book that I absolutely love. And it ties into all of this, and it's called Where Good Ideas Come From. Uh, I forget the author, but it is a fantastic book on just invention and entrepreneurship. It highlights so many different things, um, but it gives you a little timeline as well of where the, some of the most uh, important innovations in our uh, history have come from and how they've progressed throughout, throughout, uh, throughout all the years. Awesome. Well, thanks, thanks so much for your time, Ian. It's been, it's been a lot of fun yeah, talking of to you. We can put a link to your website in the show notes. Is there anything else that you want to yeah, share before we sign off here? No, that's it. Thanks so much. Thanks again. Uh, best of luck thanks to you good. with what you're doing. Thank you. You too. You can find Ian's company and his product, The Soul Mender, at soulmender.com. Link to that in the show notes. Music for this podcast is by Cambrian Explosion, who in 1934 provided the first hard photographic evidence for the existence of the Loch Ness Monster. You can listen to their mythical tunes at cepdx.bandcamp.com and on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify. If you like this podcast and want to hear more like it, be sure to hit subscribe in your podcast app. And I'd really appreciate it if you could help me grow the podcast by sharing a favorite episode with at least one friend, or even better, by blasting it out on whatever social media channel you prefer. You can help others discover this podcast also by going to Apple iTunes and leaving a rating or a review. I actually just got the new Apple operating system installed, and it looks like there's a way to rate podcasts within that app. So if you could play around with that a little bit for me, and you can let me know how that goes, or if you have suggestions for the, sh suggestions for the show or ideas for future guests at nicholaspeel at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.